So um, I'm Mitch Green. I'm the missions pastor here on staff. I'm super thankful to be able to open the word with you this morning. Thank you for coming in on what's a really weird beginning to spring break. Um, I woke up this morning and did not know it was going to be snowing and not snowing like that. Um, it was really interesting. So for all our friends who are in Florida or maybe you're watching this on your drive, and we envy you a little bit this morning here in Indiana. Um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm the missions pastor here. I actually, um, so all our global trips, you got questions about that stuff, come find me. I'd love to um, encourage you. I tell people this, when I'm up here, the first thing that goes through my mind every time I, I just set foot on the stage and I look at the church is that I pray that each and every one of you take the opportunity to go on an international mission trip at least once. Um, it just has the ability to radically transform, transform your faith. And so next week, um, I'm actually leaving with a group of students to go to Las Vegas because Sin City needs Jesus. And little did you know. So uh, we'll be there doing some mission work and it's, it's going to be um, an incredible time. But the other thing, um, we mentioned this earlier, but um, Easter is coming up, and, and out on our info um, counter, we've got these Easter invite cards, and, and here's the deal. It's as simple as this. So there's three times a year where people are way more willing to come to church if you invite them. It's Easter, Christmas, and Mother's Day. That's because the ask of a mom goes really, really far, and children will come to church with their mom on Mother's Day. But, so there's three times a year where people are more willing to say, yes, I'll come to church with you. And so our prayer is that on Easter, we don't just want to fill this place for one Sunday, but year after year, Easter has the ability to transform people's hearts and really impact them for the gospel. And so my prayer is if you've got someone in your life that you just want them to experience the same transformation that we're going to be talking about this morning and we just witnessed here, invite them, bring them to Easter. We'd love to have them here with us. So these are at the count. Feel free to go grab one of those. Um, so leading up to Easter, we're doing this series called Road to the Cross. And here's what we're doing. We're taking snapshots at different portions in Jesus' journey to the cross. And we're asking ourselves a couple questions. We're saying, okay, one, what, is this, what does this story teach us about Jesus and what's happening here? In hopes that our hearts can really reflect on the impact that the crucifixion has for each and every one of our lives. And so last week, um, Scott looked at the Passover meal, and what, and what Scott really showed us was that every single one of us has a seat at the table, that there's no one too foul or too far from God that Jesus does not want them at the table. And so this week, um, it's going to be a little bit different. So I'm going to tell you up front what we're going to do. We're going to be looking at Peter's life, and while we look at Peter's life, we're going to be asking ourselves two questions. It's this, um, how does God see us when we fail? And the second question, how do we respond? Because see, on the journey to the cross, we have this moment with Peter that is the um, defining moment of his life. It's such a point of utter failure that Peter could have really gone one or two ways with this. And so um, if you will stand with me, we're going to be reading Luke 22, uh, cha chapter 22, verses 54 through 61 this morning. And then we'll pray, and then we'll just jump right in. Should be on the screens behind me if uh, you can't get there. still emotional. I'm still recovering here. All right. Verse 54. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down amongst them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking at him closely, said, this man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else said, saw him and said, you also were one of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, another insisted, certainly this, also was, this man was also with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are talking about. 
And immediately while he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter and remembered the saying of the Lord and how they said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And Peter went out and he wept bitterly. Let's pray. Father God, I'm so thankful, Lord, that in this moment of trial in Peter's life, God, that you used it to impact the entire world with the gospel. God, I don't know what failures we're sitting in, what pains we're dealing with in our lives, but God, let us take those same pains and submit them over to you and say, God, have your way with our lives. It's in your name we pray, amen. All right, you can take a seat. So before we can really understand um, what's going on with Peter in this passage, we have to look at a conversation that happened between Peter a little bit earlier. And this conversation is recorded in all the Gospels, but we're going to actually look at two different accounts because um, I think these accounts really capture um, the conversation that Peter was having with Jesus. So this is found in Mark um, chapter 14, verse 27, and it says, And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep, and all will scatter. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Listen to what Peter says. Peter said to him, even though they will all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, truly I tell you this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. Let's look at this next passage here. This is found in Luke 22, 31 through 34. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you away like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, and then Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster rooster crows three times this day, um, sorry, the Peter will will not crow this day until you deny me three times that you know me. So what do we have happen here? We got a case of arrogant confidence. See, Peter doesn't believe he has the capacity to fail Jesus. Let's look at this situation, okay? We've got the Lord, we've got Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Peter spent a very significant amount of time with him, standing before him and saying, every single one of you will forsake me, every single one of you will deny me. And yet we see Peter's response. Peter says, Lord, these guys, maybe. Me, no. I'll follow you to death. I'll follow you to prison. I will not deny you. And see, we look at that and we look at Peter's situation and we look at the mistake that Peter makes. And many times there's some of us in this room that we read things like this and we say, you know what? I would never do that. I would never make the mistake that Peter made. I couldn't do that. I don't have the capacity to make that mistake. The problem is Peter didn't think he had the capacity either. See, Often, the beginning of our failures begin by believing that we don't have the capacity to fail ourselves. I love this story. Um, So I don't know if you guys are familiar with Chuck Colson, but Chuck Colson um, is now the founder of what's called Prison Fellowship. So Prison Fellowship's in over 117 countries across the world. It's the largest prison ministry in the world. But Chuck Colson got his beginning to starting his ministry actually in prison. And see, before he started his ministry, Chuck Colson was a counselor for Richard Nixon. And he was a part of the Watergate scandal. 
And see, in an interview in the 90s, they, someone asked Chuck Colson, they say, how did you make the decision that you made? How did you drift into compromising your morals? And here's his response. Let's check this out. Drift is a very good word because nobody consciously starts no. out and says, I'm going to obstruct justice. It's crazy. No. I never thought I could compromise, be compromised. And that's when you're most vulnerable. Pride creates self-righteousness. And I discovered that human beings have the infinite capacity for self-rationalization. And the only way you can avoid that is accountability with other people. If you have a commitment to Christ in your life, it's going to help a lot because it's going to keep you on your knees some days and you don't think you're the one running the world after all. Or at least you're sobered enough to realize that. Um, and, but the human tendency is the harder you try to do everything right, the more likely you're going to do something wrong because you're taking pride in it. I used to say nobody could ever compromise me. I went to jail. The lesson is that the human will is rebellious. Yeah, pretty similar response to Peter, right? See, Chuck didn't think he had the ability to compromise and fail. He was raised in a Christian home. He understood morality. But see, he was, he was raised to say, tell the truth, do the right thing. And you know what? You will not fail. And in fact, his confidence in himself, his arrogance in his own abilities is what ultimately led him to fail. And ultimately in that video, he gives us the solution. He says, there's really only two ways to prevent this. It's be in a relationship with other believers in the community and have a relationship with Christ. Without those things, you're setting yourself up for failure. And see, that's what leads so many of us to the poor decisions that we make in our lives. So I don't know about you, but often when I see people making mistakes— if I'm watching the news and I hear about a murder or I've got a friend that just made a horrible decision with money or finances or within their marriage or, you know, someone that does something wrong, I look at what they're doing and I say, I could never do that. How would they, how did they do that? How could they have that capacity in them? But see, the truth is we have the same capacity inside of us. We're both starting in the same place. Now, the good news as we carry on for, forward, and we're going to kind of turn to the two questions we want to answer, which is first, how does God look at us in our failure, is there's good news if you're sitting in the midst of failure this morning. See, I don't, I don't know what everybody's walking in here with, but I do know some people that are walking in the room, and some of us, we've made some bad decisions. And we're sitting in a spot where we don't know how to get out of our decisions. And so I hope as we look at the rest of this story, we're going to get a picture here of one, how God sees us in our failure, but two different stories of how we can respond that will truthfully show us how to impact for the gospel. So um, let me um, carry on here by saying this. So in um, the story, it continues like this. So let me find this passage real quick. All right. So Peter denies uh, Jesus three times. Let's keep in mind it's not to significant people. So when Peter, when Peter denies Jesus, first off, he denies him to a woman. In some of the passages, it says slave girl. I don't know if you guys have seen this. And, and in his denial, um, it's, I mean, Peter, who just three chapters earlier said he wasn't going to deny Jesus, um, it's not like this is someone with some sort of significance or importance in his life. And then you got the man who's the second case, and then it carries on, and Peter denies him three times. But what's really, really important about this passage, where we see Jesus, it's four simple words, and it's found in verse 62, and it says this, actually 61. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly. See, 
in this story, Peter's looked at many times. And the word in the Greek that Peter is actually, that Jesus looks at Peter, is different than all the looks that we see Peter get before. See, when Peter's looked at by the woman, he's kind of glared at. He's kind of trying to figure out who he is. But when Jesus looks at Peter, see, Jesus sees him. And there's something about the way that Jesus looks at Peter that moves Peter to the point of weeping. See, the word there for looks, it's not this idea of he just looks at him with disgust or Jesus is mad that he made the decision that he thought he was going to make or that he's caught in his frustration. But when Jesus sees him, he sees every single part of Peter. He sees the Peter that he knew was going to fail him before. He sees the Peter that's in the middle of his failure. And he sees the potential of who Peter can be. He sees straight through him. And just a single look from Jesus has the ability to move Peter to the place of total, utter weeping. See, it's not necessarily Peter's decision that causes him to cry. It's the look that Jesus gives. But we have to remember that this is a look that's not a look of disgust. It's a look of love. So the biggest question you ask yourself, so I bet this, I don't know, I don't know about you guys, but when I fail... When I make bad decisions, my mind always goes to this place where I ask myself, I say, where is God at in the midst of my failure? Where is he at? Well, here's a story for you to show you right where he is. He's looking at you just like he always has. See, I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what your problem is. I don't know what you're struggling with, what poor decisions you've made. But I do know the way that Jesus looks at you. And Chuck's story, Peter's story, they can give us a picture of just that. But see, we've got to make a decision. Because see, the story of Peter needs to be seen in contrast with the story we talked about last week of Judas. I love the way that Dorothy Sayers says this. So Dorothy Sayers was a a crime writer. Um, She also was a contemporary of C.S. Lewis. She's a really, really good writer. And she dabbled a little bit in apologetics, and she wrote some really, really good stuff. But she says this about um, the contrast between Judas and the story of Peter. She says, all of us perhaps are too ready when our behavior turns out to have appalling consequences to rush out and hang ourselves. St. Peter, who had a betrayal of his own to weep for, made his action of contrition and waited to see what would come next. See, Judas wrongs Jesus. Peter wrongs Jesus. Judas sits in his frustration, sits in his pain, all the way of driving himself to the point of committing suicide and hanging himself. Peter wrongs Jesus, denies Jesus. But we see how the story goes forward with Peter. We see this and see, in fact, this moment in Peter's life, this failure, while it's his defining moment, it's also what I believe gives Peter the ability to have the incredible impact that he had to share the gospel. Uh, let's go forward here and let's look in Acts chapter 2. And let me tell you a little bit what's happening here before we get there. So Pentecost, Holy Spirit's fallen. Um, everybody's going crazy. Everybody's been impacted by the gospel for the first time. And Peter gives up and just delivers this knockout sermon. I mean, he quotes the Old Testament. He quotes the New Testament. He is just bringing the heat. I mean, this incredible sermon. And he comes to this point where he says these words. He says, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord Jesus Christ and Lord whom you crucified. Now listen to their response. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And Peter and the rest of the apostles said, brother, what shall we do? Now pause there for a second. Peter, 
The man who literally denied Jesus in Luke Acts. It's one, one story. It's one book. The man who literally denied Jesus just chapters earlier. The only thing he has to stand on for a crowd of thousands of people who are realizing for the first time in their lives that they crucified Christ that they took a part in this. Their spirits are crushed because of the actions they've done. The only thing Peter has to stand on is the fact that he's experienced this himself. Peter can stand before them as a man who literally denied Christ after Christ told him he was not going to. That moment had such a foundation for Peter's ministry that he can stand before these crowd and he can deliver these words because he can understand where they're coming from. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself, and with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them. I love this because basically that's like the dude was just preaching. Like he just kept bringing it over and over again so much that we're not even going to write it down. And he's saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added to their day about 3,000 souls. See, the foundation for Peter's ministry, the turning point for Peter, was a moment of immense failure himself. See, my, my, my hope for us this morning, my, my prayer for those of us in the room, I, again, I, I don't know what you're carrying, what you walked in here with, but I do know the truth is, one, Jesus looks at you, he sees you, he sees straight through it, he's known who you always were, he always knew your capacity to make these mistakes, and yet he loves you just the same. But I also can see the tremendous impact you would have if you turned and you used that experience in your life just like Peter. Because see, understanding our brokenness Just mere comprehension of it is the beginning to us understanding our usefulness to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people. You don't think you're broken? How are you going to deal with the people around you? How are you going to deal with the mistakes that you see? We have to ask ourselves that. Man, that's a gut puncher to me. I mean, when I see people make mistakes in my life, I typically, and they're making poor decisions, I go, oh, they're too far gone. See ya. Like, I'm going to let them go. But see, When I read stories like this, it's a reminder to me that nobody is too far gone for the power of the gospel. And that includes you if you're sitting in the room this morning. I love the way that Paul David Tripp says this. He says um, in in his devotional on this, he says, God takes the disasters in your life and makes them tools of redemption. He takes the failures and he employs them as tools of grace. Just reflect on that for a moment here. See, what you're going through could be the foundation to have an incredible impact for your ministry. God can use that. God can use that situation of redemption. So whatever failure you're walking in, whatever pain you're dealing with, you're not too far gone. You're not too far gone for, for, the, for the power of the gospel to impact you. So again, we kind of look three ways at Peter's story this morning. We look back and we see this conversation that Peter had with Jesus, okay? And we see that Peter had the audacity to believe that he couldn't fail. We look at the middle of Peter's life and we see this defining moment, which could have turned out just like the story of Judas. Peter could have said, you know what? I'm too far gone. I'm going to wallow in my self-pity. 
But the sad truth is there's 3,000 people that were impacted from his testimony because he can share with them in that. So we go forward and see the power of the ministry of Jesus. So here's what I want to say today. And, 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 and we're, the band's going to come up here in a few minutes, but, um, and we're going to have some time of reflection. And, and I really want us just to ask ourselves this, is again, um, what is our faith in? Who have we put our faith in this morning? Because see, there's some of us in the room, if you're like me, where you think you don't have the capacity to fail. You don't think that you have the ability to make a mistake like some of the people around you. Man, you are setting yourself up for failure. There's other of us in the room that we don't have faith in ourselves, in ourselves but we don't have faith in anything. We're so hurt by our decisions, by our failures, by our pains that we sit here this morning in the room and we just have faith in nothing anymore. The good news is there's only one solution for both of us. We need to put our faith back in Christ. Because see, when we put our faith in Christ, we are promised redemption. We're promised forgiveness. There's a God that looks at us the same way that Jesus looks at Peter in this story. Sees us in our pain, sees us in our hurt, and he sees straight through us. And he prays and he hopes, just like Jesus did with Peter, that I pray and I hope that you'll turn back one day and you'll use this story for the impact of the gospel. God wants to use your trial. So trust in him. Trust in the gospel this morning. Because see, the gospel has the ability, has the power just as we saw this morning, not just to transform our decision-making. I mean, not just to make these decisions that um, are truly something you're not going to hear people do on their own. Like, nobody just says, I want to give up my kidney. No, that's, that's an impact of the gospel directly um, put it in application before us this morning. But it also has the ability for you in the room that you're sitting in some, some tough circumstance to pull you out of it. I mean, God wants you to come back to home, home to him in that struggle. God wants you to turn back over to him. So as we pray, um, and we're going to spend some time in prayer and kind of worship here as we continue this morning, but I just want to say this. If you're someone this morning and you just need um, to have a conversation about putting your faith in Jesus, maybe, maybe you've done that before, or maybe you're just wrestling with something in your life and you need to figure out, how can I get out of this mess that I've caught myself in? One, I hope you're encouraged by, by, by Peter's story. Because man, the rock of the church was built upon a man who literally denied Jesus three times. And the point of the story isn't the failure, it's what God can do in the midst of it. That's the rock of the church. And my prayer for you, if you're out there struggling, is that you this morning can say to yourself, you know what, this is gonna be my foundation. This poor decision I made is gonna be, have a transformation for the power of the gospel. I might share with you two stories this morning, but they're a story of time and time and time and time again of how people caught in a trap of their sin, caught in a trap of their failure, and God radically transforms them for the power of the gospel. See, we learn so much in this story about, about Peter. We learn so much about Jesus. Because see, while this is happening to Peter, Jesus is on his way to be crucified. He's being mocked. He's being denied. He's being beaten. All for a group of people who would willfully deny him. So I pray this morning that each and every one of us comes to a point where we say, you know what, my faith's no longer in myself. I know I can fail. I know I can be in the same situation that Peter's in. You know what, Chuck, I hear your story. Man, 
sin can really take over our lives. And I pray we turn back and put our faith in Christ. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we thank you um, just for the power and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Lord. It's the power to transform um, hearts, to transform souls. God, that you take broken people and you make us new. You make us new in Christ, Lord. And so, God, I pray um, that we experience just redemption in our hearts this morning, that we experience your forgiveness, God. I know I know many of us are just walking in immense pain in the failures and the decisions and the mistakes that we've got ourselves in, God. And I pray that, God, you just show us now, just through your word, God, how you want to transform our hearts. God, you want to use us in your kingdom, Lord. So, God, I, I just pray um, just for confidence pray for boldness in the gospel. God, I, I pray that while we recognize our brokenness, we recognize the impact that we can have in you, Father. So in your name we pray. Amen.